Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, welcome to the Aging Boomers. I'm your host, Frank Sampson. And on our show, of course, as many of you know, we discuss so many great issues and issues that are, fa- are important issues facing uh, boomers, their parents, and uh, what we know, of course, is an aging population, which I'm part of. So I want to remind everybody that today's show is sponsored by Senior Care Authority, a professional senior placement and elder care management organization that has a national network of advisors to help in determining the right path for senior living and receiving proper care. So whether it's in-home care, assisted living, residential, or memory care, Get the necessary advice from a senior care advisor in your area by calling Senior Care Authority at 888-809-1231, or you could go directly to their website at www.seniorcareauthority.com. And again, I just want to thank everybody for all your support. I mean, our listeners are growing hourly. (laughs) They keep keep growing. Uh, A lot of you have... uh, uh, just gone on to your iPhone or Android phone, go on to your apps and a free app called The Aging Boomers. Just download it and you can get updated on uh, all of our interviews. Uh, many of you have gone on to iHeartRadio or iTunes or on our website at agingboomers.com. So a lot of different ways to listen to our show and uh, thank you for all your support. I'm very excited about our guest today. Uh, Her name is Jane Wolf Waterman, and Jane has spent nearly four decades honing her skills as a problem solver, applying her special brand of listening to the concerns presented by her clients. Graduating with honors from Wesley College, uh, Wellesley College, I'm sorry, Jane received her Juris Doctor Law degree f- from Boston University. And then a little later in life, she attended UCLA to receive her master's degree in social welfare, welfare uh, becoming a licensed psychotherapist. Jane now practices psychotherapy in her offices in Southern California. For decades, she's counseled individuals and families to successfully resolve their biggest challenges, be they emotional loss, practical, relational, or stage of life. Bringing the experience of teaching and practicing law to her work as a mental health professional and family coach, Jane feels privileged to have helped so many people live happier, healthy, and saner lives but she's not been content to stop there. Jane's Jane's also written a book called, Oh My God, We're Parenting Our Parents, How to Transform This Remarkable Challenge into a Journey of Love. And we'll hear more about that in a moment. Jane, welcome to the Aging Boomers. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, it's wonderful to be here with you today, Frank. And how exciting that your audience is growing hourly. (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, that's that's yeah. what we, we, you know, I kind of check it out every once in a while and go, wow, the numbers keep increasing. That's kind of neat. So It's uh, a lovely uh, introduction, and I would like to add 
the long decades of academic work and service in my office, I'd like to add my qualification as a daughter yeah. and someone who, uh, as an only child, cared for my aging parents for their last 10 years of their life and provided me at least equal credentials to all the schooling and uh, alphabet names, alphabet of soup of names of letters after my name. Yeah, that's sometimes that uh, hands-on experience with your own parents uh, brings more than any any education, but uh, both are great. Both are great. So I'm sure your that. audience is going to be finding that um, they're relating to their own experience of caring for their own parents and, and perhaps even their own children is going to be really relevant and helpful in the days ahead. Yeah, absolutely right. So, you know, I'd love to learn more uh, about your organization, Parenting Our Parents. Uh, certainly feel free to talk about your book uh, that came out and, and the organization as a whole and what you do. So tell us more. Well, thank you. Um, I do have a, a really um, helpful organization that we put together, and it's located at parentingourparents.org. And frankly, um, it came out of several different places. One is the uh, remarkable uh, crisis that our nation is going through, and uh, I think you probably shared many, many statistics with your audiences over the year years, but I think it's important to sort of remember once again that we have 10,000 people a day turning 65, going on Medicare, and discovering how to be seniors in our world, in our culture, and how to deal with themselves and their families and their work and their money and all the wisdom they've acquired. We've been now told that in by 19, excuse me, by 2018, we're going to have a trillion dollars a year that we're going to have to spend on one disease alone, Alzheimer's, with one in two people over 85 in this country uh, being diagnosed with that extraordinary series of events. And I'm figuring there's at least one in four American families, and they're listening to you and me now, who are living through and going through this and feeling very alone. And why parenting, as I call it, or parenting or parenting came about was because there was such a need for hope and help, and that's exactly what I experienced. Um, as I mentioned, um, uh, I was uh, going through something very similar a number of years ago. I went to New York City to visit with my parents, living out here in California for many years, working here, raising a family, doing all the things ordinary folks do, and living at a long distance from my parents in New York, which many, many people were doing and are doing. And uh, they were certainly convincing me on the telephone uh, that they were fine. And I showed up there, and there was nothing about them that was fine. Their health wasn't fine. Their home had become very neglected and filthy and unhealthy because they were not fine. And they were hiding these things from me, which is extraordinarily common. And uh, I had to figure out what I was going to do, how I was going to deal with my own life 
back in California and how I was going to deal with the fact that I had two parents who were now 85 living 3,000 miles away from me and that despite all this education and credentialing you've been kind enough to tell your audience, I was sitting in the middle of a major denial. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I didn't want to see what was obvious, who was going to take care of these people and how were they going to continue to live without my help. And a part of me probably just didn't want to do what I needed to think about ahead. And that's how I wrote a book called, Oh My God, We're Parenting Our Parents, How to Transform This Remarkable Challenge into a Journey of Love, because it is my story of those 10 years and what happened from that day when I went to their home in New York and saw what was going on until their passing off the planet. And I wanted other people to take my story and notice how the step-by-step cycle, I call it the pop cycle, works in their life and what they might choose to do about it. And so the book came about, and I worked with people in my office, and I started coaching families across the country who had generations of people some of whom were 40s and 50s, some of their aging parents were 70s and 80s or 60s, 70s and 80s, often raising children who were younger or uh, children uh, who'd come back. All these families who were tied in together in life but really hadn't made any kind of plan for being a family. So there was coaching It came about because I saw people needed to learn how to do it. Mm. And out of that developed a coaching program and a community because we have a lot of coaches across the country. We're happy to have more of you. But um, we also think that people who are going through the process I went through and many, many of your listeners go through parenting their own parents become experts in many, many things. So through uh, the community we have developed at parentingourparents.org, we also encourage people to share their struggles, their solutions, their insights, the feelings they're going through. And uh, it's becoming a place where people turn as a hub to solving problems and to getting help and to building hope knowing that they are not alone and they have places to go. And now they have a growing number of things, including your podcast. And so that's uh, how this whole POP, Parenting Parent Coaching Program, website, community, book, and um, method of um, shifting how we think about this stage of life because in my view the pop cycle represents the circle of life where we have the opportunity to give back to those who gave to us so well, i think it's great i think it's great what you're doing so uh somebody who is interested in either learning from one of your coaches or or sharing ideas or becoming a coach they would just go to your website how can they learn more that's right that's right. There are links there as to what's involved in there. Um, we've discovered that many people 
who have done what I did and cared for their parents um, in one form or fashion, and I'm not saying that that has to be that you bring them in your home or you move them to where you are or you leave your job and go to their home. There are many, many, many different ways that people are discovering how to parent their parents, just as there are many ways people are learning is appropriate in the 21st century to parent our children. So whatever that way, there are uh, choices that are made along that path, and each person needs to discover what are the needs of their parents and what are the capabilities of the families and how to get the conversations going, which, Frank, I'm sure you've been observing in your history and your work. Having those conversations begun is often the hardest part on both sides. Absolutely. Right, right. So it's interesting. uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Go ahead. I'm saying many, uh, interestingly, many people who purchase the book are uh, men and women in their 80s who have children they don't know how to commence the conversation with that they need a little help. They too may be in a certain amount of denial about and fear that if they ask for help on their bank books or they ask for help uh, getting the marketing done and making good food choices, that maybe their lives and their independence and their freedom will get taken away. So I think at both ends of the aging spectrum here, people are eased by knowing how to have the conversations. And both the book and our coaching program provide exact explanations of how to begin all that. So, you know, it kind of uh, leads into... Uh, thought I had, question I had for you. I, I know when uh, my parents are both both gone, but uh, when I remember, I remember sorry, both. Yeah. yeah, I remember both of them looking at me and saying, "Promise me you'll never put me in a nursing home." Okay, and I said, "Yeah, uh, don't don't even don't even talk that way. You're not going to any nursing home. Don't worry about it." Uh, okay, I promise. But. And I'm sure there's a lot of parents, grandparents, et cetera, that, that, that say that. Uh, it's a whole different environment today, I mean, with assisted living and, and a lot more options than there used to be. But, you know, when, when someone has a child, all right, they, they go into it, um, you know, but it's expected of them that they're going to, provide care, they're going to change the diapers, they're going to give them baths, they're going to do all the things that a parent does for their child, and they go into it expecting that, okay? With a parent, uh-huh. with a parent, um, should that be the expectation as well? That's a great question, Frank. Um, And I've spent a lot of time thinking about it, and perhaps many, many people in your audience have spent a lot of time thinking about it. And it is my point of view that it is a choice, Um, and that there are a couple of groups of people for whom that choice is going to be very challenging. Uh, One group of people are those individuals who are now middle-aged, Uh, who were abused or neglected or abandoned by their own parents and who now are facing that question, what do I do now that it's perhaps, according to some people, my turn 
to take care of them. Should I do that? Must I do that? And my point of view is that parenting is always best done by people who have worked through their own issues. And if you are in a position where you are still angry, upset, resentful, or unresolved about how you were treated by your parents, I really recommend that you find somebody who is qualified to help you with that, whether it's a religious, spiritual person that you can talk to, other family members, or a professional mental health person, somebody that you can work through that so that you are not going to find yourself resentful and perhaps even abusive and neglecting the person that you choose to take care of. So I think that set of people should not consider this obligatory and really ought to stand back and do some work before they venture in. There's also a second group of people who will be challenged. Is this an obligation or a choice? Because many of us come from cultures where there are many expectations that we do certain things or not do certain things. Uh, certain cultures consider, have historically considered it a shame to put a parent into a facility. On the other hand, in this century, in this decade, in 2015, many of those families who come from those cultures are raising children, holding down jobs of their own, uh, have parents who may be quite uh, disabled or dependent and unable to be left alone all day. Uh, and the sort of um, automatic response, I want to stay in my home, uh, really has to be adjusted into the reality. Is that a safe and secure place for the older person? And is that something that's really going to generate what a family needs and wants to do with their elder person. And I think many people may need to challenge some cultural norms and say, this is not uh, the 1940s and 50s. I remember, like perhaps you did, Frank, going into a, a home mm -hmm. with my grandmother who died when I was three. So we're talking very early 50s. Um, and it was a terrible place and smelly and people were groaning and awful. You and I know that assisted living facilities are not like that. That many people are very much desirous in their minds of staying in their homes. But when they go and see what some of the options in these beautiful facilities are, I, when I looked around for facilities for my parents, I kept saying, I want to move here. <laughs> Excuse me. Right. And it's it's uh, lovely. Yeah, it's... It, and, yeah. and there are social advantages where it may be life-saving for people not to be alone in their homes, but to be engaged in activities with other people. So the whole notion of what is an obligation... What does one need to do if one parents one's parent? Does that, does that mean one is obligated to do what one did as a, as a child, you know, spending 24 hours a day and having 24-hour day care for an infant? Not necessarily for your 68-year-old mother, 
who does volunteer work, or your 83-year-old grandmother who does 40 hours a week of volunteer work, and I just read about one the other day. So I think your question raises a lot of different points for people to think about, and I'd like to stop and and engage with you more at this point so um, I can see that I'm appropriate for what you're looking to have answered. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's great. I, I, I guess you know the um, the you know the fact is is that as long as families talk about this, I think it's going to make. Yeah. I think that the answer will be uh, not easy, but easier. In other words, do, does the daughter want to be a daughter? There's a daughter want to be a caregiver to mom or dad. Yeah. All right. And I would think that if the discussion takes place earlier, I know I've had it with my kids. Okay. And I don't want them yeah. to have, I don't want, I want them to worry about me. I want them to <laughs> care for me, but I don't want them to uh, care for me in the way that they had to care for their infants. You know, there's professionals out there that could do that. And I, you know, I just want them to be a, continue to be a son or daughter to me. So, uh, you know, that's me, but every, you know, everybody's different. And I think if they have those conversations early on, it will make it a little bit easier later because, you know, there's some that go, well, you know, mom took care of me when I was little, I'm going to take care of her now. Um, and, and taking care of someone doesn't necessarily mean, uh, caregiving. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're, uh, making a very good point. Many of us baby boomers um, really don't want any concept of um, being, uh, losing our freedom or um, burdening our children. And that's really not at all what POP is about. POP is about a quality of a relationship. It's about, for example, finding a way to go with your parents when they go see their doctors. Because there are lots and lots of excellent reasons to plan ahead for your health. And by going and stalking and being a part of the healthcare information, A, um, many seniors are not good reporters of our own health. We don't want to exaggerate. We don't want to complain. We forget. When our children come with us, our middle-aged children, they remember, they take notes, they ask good questions, and in point of fact, it's been proven that doctors spend more time when they're accompanied, their patients are accompanied by their children, and now Medicare has provided, if you're a patient with two of the chronic aging diseases, your Medicare doctor gets paid time to spend with your family as an overseer of your care. So there's some of the things that our coaches help people to do to become teams, to learn how to talk together, and not to become uh, dependent where somebody comes in and takes over. But these conversations are two-way conversations where you have with your family about what you'd like And the point you make about planning, I really like to underscore three times, because our approach at Pop Parenting 
is make a plan. We call them pop plans. Mm -hmm. Sit down, talk about money, talk about resources, talk about who could go to the doctor, talk about who could help maybe with the bank accounts, talk about who would enjoy putting a family reunion together, and give people jobs to do that they love so that once the planning is done, the conversations are held in reality about what people have and want and do and foresee and would like, then plans are in place and then families can go do what families do best. Go off and have fun. Some families like to go fishing. Some people like, as I say, reunions where everybody, all the generations come together in some wonderful location and have t-shirts. It's uh, our 30th family reunion. Uh, Other families like to sit around the piano and sing songs together. Well, when people are worried and people are anxious and people are not dealing with what's so, they aren't able to do those enriching, fun family things. So I agree with you entirely. Make a plan. Look at, do your parents really wish to stay in their home that's two stories high that they have to heat all winter at a great expense, where their friends have now moved to warmer climates, where the minister they liked in the church has retired, and they really don't have what they used to have there. Might it not be more fun and enjoyable to move into an assisted living with their best friends or move closer to you in a place where there's senior housing and the option of what may happen uh, as the aging process comes into place. So we, like you, we're fans of planning, and out of planning comes the recognition that there's peacefulness and there's involvement in the family and there's family support and fun. Yeah, you know, all the statistics about, you know, 90-some-odd percent of the people want to remain in their home. I'm surprised it's not 100%. I mean, I think everybody would like to remain in their home, but does it make sense? And and being alone, and especially if they have some cognitive issues, does that make sense? And um, so there's so many other other factors uh, that, that go into it, of course, as, you know, as you mentioned. So... Um, I, you know, we only have a, unfortunately I could talk to you all day, but we only have a couple minutes left. So I'm going to throw one out to you. I'd like to get your thoughts on it. So, you know, we, we've been, we talk about, and you hear, read about it, uh, 10,000 people, uh, 10,000 people turning 65 each and each day. But in reality, those over 85, all right, uh, better known uh, by geriatric and gerontology professionals as the frail elderly, probably comprise our fastest-growing American demographic. So my concern is ageism. Do do you think people today respect the elderly? Do you think ageism uh, is occurring in our society? Well, you know, it's very interesting. I... I think that um, we baby boomers, and I'm right there with you, Frank, uh, we're an interesting generation. And uh, we're very fascinating not only by our size, and we're worldwide uh, a big number, but we're fascinating because we insist on living life to its fullest. 
And what we're finding for a lot of those people over 65, 75, now into 85, is uh, there's excitement out there. There's uh, what people are calling a third chapter. Uh, we're posting at uh, parentingourparents.org and on our various social media sites, we're posting something about the second chapter, about how many people are going back for more employment because or to find a hobby they've always wanted to do and getting some schooling. We're finding that when people live fully, they live longer. That if you are a person who uh, is dependent on a spouse and that's all you have in life and your spouse dies, they're finding that people actually die in, on average within six months of their spouse if they yeah. don't have something else where they're needed and loved. So I'm telling people, get out there. I don't think our generation cares so much what people think about ageism. I think we care what we think about what we're doing and how we're living. There's a wonderful book out there called What You Think of Me is None of My Business. <laughs> and I think it's kind of an anthem for our generation that the best way to fight other people's negativity about being quote-unquote old, is to retain that youthful attitude. Um, we may not be physically able to do everything we were able to do before, but many of us are definitely wiser, kinder, better, and more patient people. And that's why at parentingourparents.org, we have a whole uh, resource for people who are the senior parents, as well as people who are the pop parents. And we even have resources for the youngsters who may around now be celebrating National Grandparents Day, which was Sunday, September 13th. It's been around since 1978. Perhaps most of your audience didn't even know it has come and gone. Mm -hmm. And maybe part of the way we fight ageism is to remind people to celebrate everything they can do, everything they still are, everything they want. And uh, I'd say, oh, to heck, to heck with ageism. Let's just right. be ourselves and continue Indeed. to lead by our example. Great. So, Jane Wolf Waterman, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, go to her website, uh, parentingourparents.org maybe you'll become a coach maybe uh, you'll learn from another coach so uh, great information we got to have you back in the future Jane thanks so much for for joining us on the Aging Boomers and I want to thank you and I want to thank everybody out there for joining in uh, again share uh, information with friends and family and be safe out there and we'll talk to you all soon Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.